much, Brother Shane, Brother Graham, the rest of our instrumentalists for that. Um, as we begin this Christmas season, kind of that question, is this who we've waited for? I think it's a good question for us to ponder as we look at the child that we know is born in the manger, the child that's held in Mary's arms. Is this the one that we've been waiting for? And if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 1 this morning... We're going to look at that very idea. We're going to look at and answer that question. We're going to allow the text, if you will, to answer that question. Is this Jesus the one that we've been waiting for? And if he is, why is it that there was so much anticipation? Right? Why were people so excited? Why had they spent so much time looking forward to the coming of this baby? And why should we be looking forward to his second coming as well. Why are the, So these are things that we'll look at throughout this month. Good morning. It is good to see you. Thankful to be with you this morning. Uh, as we look, I, I'll tell you, we're going to look at a portion of text today that many of you have, or many of us, if we're being honest, have at some parts quickly went through during our Bible reading plans this genealogy of Jesus Christ is not something that, that many people spend a lot of time pondering. It's one of those chapters that when you get to it, you think, oh, I have to read this as well. But I tell you what I've come to see the more I spend time reading, the more time I spend looking at this, is that there is a lot of intricate planning that went into the coming of the Messiah. And there is a lot of faithfulness on God's part, that went into the coming of the Messiah. So what I want you to see, one of the main things I want you to see is this, that if you were to read through this genealogy, as you go down through it and you get to verse 16 where it says, Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, right, we know Mary, of whom Jesus was born, that this isn't what happened, that, that Mary wasn't just picked at random to be the mother of Jesus, and then Matthew just went to Ancestry.com to fill out the rest of the genealogy, right? He just started at Mary and worked his way back from there and filled it out, and now we have this chapter filled out. What I want you to see is that from the very beginning, from Abraham, from even before Abraham, this was the plan. God had this plan in place and we see that, and I think we can see that most clearly by focusing at the beginning. And so that's where we're going to spend the vast majority of our time this morning, is in Matthew 1.1. So if you would look there with me. Matthew begins his gospel account by saying, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now I believe that as we see this verse that that Matthew's giving a nod to something that's even before Abraham, because when he says the book of the genealogy, the, the, the literal word there is Genesis. And he says the book of the Genesis, and it, it reminds us in Genesis chapter 2 when it says the Genesis or the genealogy of the heavens and the earth, right? For all of eternity, this has been the plan. I believe there's a little bit of a nod there. But then he, he gives us three different titles for Jesus in verse 1, and that's what we're going to explore today. As we look at the meaning of these three titles, you will see that it has always been God's plan 
that he would step out of heaven into earth in human flesh to come and to bring us deliverance from our sin. So let's look here, the three things we want to see. What it means to say that Jesus is the Christ. What it means to say that Jesus is the son of David. And what it means to say that Jesus is the son of Abraham. Those are the three titles that we see in verse 1. What does it mean for those? So look back there, verse 1. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to read uh, verses 16, 17, and 18 as we explore what it means for Jesus to be the Christ. So it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, and then in verse 16, it says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And then even in verse 18, that's not going to be part of our text for today, but it says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. So we see that Matthew puts emphasis on Jesus being the Christ, right? He says it multiple times here in just the first 18 verses. Jesus the Christ. Jesus who is called the Christ until the Christ was born, until Jesus Christ came. Why is it that he's repeating this term so often? And some of you would say, because Brother Zach, that's Jesus' last name, right? His first name is Jesus, and his last name is Christ. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, Christ is not the surname of Jesus. That's not how that works. It is a word that is deeply and richly meaningful. So Christ is a Greek word, and it's, it's how you say the Hebrew word Messiah, right? If you're saying Messiah in Greek, you would say Christ. So anytime that you read Christ, you can replace it with Messiah, which is a term that we recognize, I think most of us from the Old Testament, it's one that we've heard. And the term Messiah is a term that is so rich and so full of meaning, talking about the kings of Israel and talking about the priests of Israel and talking about this Messiah, the great Messiah that was to come, that we could literally spend weeks on just the term Messiah and not get to the end of the fullness of what it means. But for, for our purpose this morning, I want to give you just a very brief snapshot of what it means. So the, the term Messiah on its own, or the term Christ, it literally means the anointed one or the chosen one. So that's, that's for our basic purpose today, all that we need to understand of it. Whenever somebody was chosen by God for a specific task, they were called the Messiah. They were anointed to fulfill that specific task. So when you read Matthew 1.1, I pray this is what your ear starts to pick up in here. The book of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, of Jesus the chosen one, of Jesus the one anointed by God. That's what Matthew is telling. And that's why he says it over and over and over. He's trying to tell them, guys, there's something special about this Jesus. He is the one. He's the one that we've been waiting for. He's the one that was anointed and chosen. But what was he anointed for? What was he chosen to do? Well, you have to read all of the Old Testament to fully understand and fully 
uh, grasp what it is that he was chosen to do. But if I had to pick just a couple of verses to give you just a snapshot of what they were waiting for, why they wanted the Messiah to come so desperately, I would give you the text that Brother Grant read for us earlier, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. These are promises about the Messiah that were made long before Jesus was born. So it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So they've been told the Messiah is going to be the counselor who's going to have all the wisdom that you need. He's going to be mighty God. He will be God. He will be your everlasting father. He will bring a, a governmental rule, a kingdom that will never end. He will bring a piece of exponential growth that will never stop. There will never stop to be an increase of peace once Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom. And so they see these things and they've heard these things from prophet after prophet after prophet. When the Messiah comes, these things are going to happen. The Messiah goes all the way back to the beginning, to Genesis. He's the one that, that God promised something to the serpent about the Messiah. He said, he's going to strike your head. right? He's the one who comes to strike the head of the serpent. He is the promised eternal king. He is the light that is going to shine in the darkness. He's the one that's bringing a kingdom of justice. And you're talking about an oppressed people here. They are oppressed and they are made to pay taxes that are unfair and they are made to bend to the rule of other governments and they are told that when the Messiah comes, he will bring peace and he will bring righteousness and he will bring justice. And so they say, come Messiah, come. They were waiting and praying for the Messiah to come. And now we know as we read Matthew 1.1, who the Messiah is. They knew he was coming, but we know who he is, and his name is Jesus. So point one this morning is Jesus is the Messiah, or Jesus is the Christ. Same word, it's just different languages, right? You can say one or you can say uno. It's the same thing, it's in different language. Christ is in Greek, Messiah is in Hebrew, but it's the same term. Jesus is the chosen one. And so Matthew starts off with that and he repeats it multiple times. And I think it's because he wants us to recognize that this is not just a birth story. This is the birth story. This is a birth unlike any other birth because this is a king unlike any other king. So we see here what it means for Jesus to be the Christ. But what does it mean for Jesus to be the son of David. Well, let's explore that. For that, I need you to turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to go back to the story of David to explore this. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, if you want to take just a moment and turn there. What we're going to see here are some promises that God made to King David, right? This is the Davidic covenant, 
as we call it. God made these promises to David that these things were going to come true. And they bear a large... Uh, look, they are very important for us to understand what it means for Jesus to be the son of David. So I'm going to begin reading in 2 Samuel 7, verse 8. God speaking to the prophet, he says, Now therefore thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make, you, I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers. I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So what we see here are these promises that God's making to David. And once again, we've talked about this a few times in the Psalms recently. We often see this in Old Testament prophecies. We see this mixture of something that's going to happen through an actual human being that's just a human and something that is going to be fulfilled through Jesus who is both a human and God. And so we see that here. There are some things here that are about David's biological literal son, Solomon. Right? Solomon did come after David and he did build the temple. And Solomon came after David and he did things he shouldn't have and he was disciplined by God. And so in some ways, we see some prophecy about Solomon that was going to come. But we also see some prophecies here that Solomon could not and did not fulfill. It says, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more. Now, now Solomon had a good kingdom and a big kingdom, but he, didn't, he did not rule to the place that they didn't have any enemies that would disturb them ever again. We know that as we look now. And later he said, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Now Solomon was a good king and Solomon brought some peace, but he didn't bring everlasting peace. And Solomon reigned for a long time, but he's not still sitting on the throne in Israel today. If you go to Israel now, King Solomon's not there. He did not, God did not establish the, the throne and the kingdom of David through Solomon forever. So how is it that these promises came true or did they not come true? Did God not uphold his end of the bargain? Well, that's what we see in Matthew 1, 1, where it says Jesus Christ is the son of David. 
He is the one who came from David's lineage. He is actually one that has come from the line of David. We see that as you read through that genealogy in Matthew chapter 1. And what we see is that the one that would establish this throne forever. The one that would make a kingdom that would have peace, that would never end, that would bring to God's people rule over all of their enemies, where they never had to worry ever again, was not David and it was not Solomon, but it was Jesus. Point two, Jesus is the son of David that rules forever. He is the one that brings unrivaled peace and that gives God's people an established place to be. We will one day be with him and we'll be with him forever. And there will never be any worry about any enemies or any attacks or any concerns that we'll ever have when we're in that place with him. All right, so there's one other here. Jesus is the Christ. That means he's the Messiah, the chosen, promised Savior that's coming. Jesus is the son of David who has made a kingdom that will never end. But it also says that Jesus is the son of Abraham. And for that, I need you once again to turn with me. This time to Genesis chapter 22. We keep going further back. But in Genesis chapter 22, and this is our last text that we'll turn back to this morning. But we understand, once again, this is what we're seeing. God is making promises to Abraham that are going to be fulfilled by Jesus. We just saw that with David. Now we're seeing it with Abraham. So Genesis 22, beginning in verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So once again, we see some big promises here, right? Abraham, your offspring are going to be as numerous as the stars of the night sky. Have y'all ever been to a place where there aren't a whole lot of lights around and you can see the stars, I mean, you can see the galaxies and you can just see literally countless numbers of stars. Y'all ever been somewhere like that? One time we went to the Grand Canyon and there was a place that you could drive out like two miles and it was two miles from any other light. And it was absolutely amazing. How many stars you see? So if Abraham, living in this day and time, right, he's not near a city. They don't have street lights and those sort of things. So if he would have walked outside and looked, that's what he would have seen. And God says, Abraham, what you see here, your descendants will be more numerous than that. Have y'all ever been to the beach? Yeah, you've been to the beach. Uh, I tell you, I can't, I can't count the number of pieces of sand that get in my shoes whenever I walk to the beach and back up, much less all the sand on the beach. But God says, Abraham, if you could count every piece of sand on the beach, your descendants will be more numerous than that. Now, those are big promises. Do you agree with that? So God makes some big promises. And he says, Abraham, your offspring, they're going to rule over the gates of all their enemies. They're going to possess the land of all their enemies. And you say, man, that's a big deal. And he said, through you, all the families, every family on the earth will be blessed through you. 
And so you read these, and again, you say, how does this come true? Abraham, he had some kids, and we sing Father Abraham, but he didn't have as many kids as there are stars in the sky, as, as much sand as there is on the beach. And, and you say, well, all the families of the earth, what did I ever get from Abraham, right? I don't remember getting anything from Abraham. But then you're in Matthew chapter 1, and it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In verse 2, Abraham was the father of Isaac. And then it starts there, and it goes all the way down to verse 16, where Mary has Jesus. And all of a sudden you see that Jesus is a descendant of Abraham. So through Abraham and through his lineage, Jesus is born. And all of a sudden, we have one that has brought blessings to everyone that has ever lived. Jesus has brought good things for us. And so we, all right, I see that. And then you see, as we read the scriptures and as we understand what the New Testament is telling us, that, that every person that comes to have faith in Jesus Christ becomes part of his family. Right? We're adopted into the family of God. And now all of a sudden we're all part of this family that are descendants from Abraham. And it becomes as numerous as the stars of the night sky. And you say, wow, God had this plan all along. Point three, Jesus is the son of Abraham. He is the one that has brought about these great blessings. So if you go all the way back to the time of Abraham, and even before that, God knew that one day the second person of the Trinity, that Jesus was going to step out of heaven to this earth in human flesh, and he was going to be a descendant of Abraham, he was going to be a descendant of David, and he was going to fulfill all of these promises. God didn't, God didn't throw a dart at a dartboard and say, I like Mary, she's pretty nice, let's just let her have Jesus. That's not how it went, brothers and sisters. It was intricate planning. And God gave hint after hint after hint that Jesus was coming. And hint after hint of what it was going to be like when he came. Of how good the blessings were going to be. Of what we had to look forward to. Of what great things he was going to bring with him. And so this anticipation built and built and built until all of a sudden, thousands of years later, Jesus was born. And angels show up to sing because of how big of a deal it is. And then still today, we celebrate it every single year. And we wait and we wait because we look at the world that we live in and we say, we want this sort of peace as well. And we look at all of those people that oppose Christianity and that oppose the teachings of the Bible and we say, God, we're ready for your kingdom to come. The kingdom where nobody opposes you. And all sin is gone forever and peace reigns forever and ever. We're ready for that and we wait and we wait and we pray for when Jesus comes back. Because brothers and sisters, this is what Matthew introduces us to. He introduces us to a man who's unlike any other man. Because he introduces us to a man that is also God. That the scriptures are clear. That John tells us that he is a man that has always been God. There's never been a moment that existed that Jesus did not exist. And he tells us that Jesus has always been with God. And that Jesus has always been God. And yet, even though that's true, Jesus left heaven and came to earth. And he lived a perfect life. And he lived and he loved and he served and he taught and he blessed and he helped so many 
And he lived without ever sinning a single time. And yet he still died a terrible atoning death in our place. So that we would have the opportunity to receive all of these blessings. So that we would have an opportunity to be part of the kingdom that these covenants are talking about. So that we could be part of God's family. So that we could have our sins taken away. So that we could have eternal life and eternal peace and eternal joy. And so that we could know the mighty God who's the wonderful counselor. And the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. So that we could know him. Jesus came and died in our place and overcame the grave. So that we could know that we don't have to fear death either. Brothers and sisters, Matthew in the first verse of the gospel gives us something to celebrate. He tells us, wait no more. Those that have been waiting for the Messiah, wait no more because he's here. And his name is Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why it's such a big deal. So I ask you this morning, the first question I have is, do you know this Jesus? Do you understand him as the Christ, as the Messiah, as the the chosen Savior of the world? Is he your personal Savior? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you come in faith to Jesus and given up everything to become part of his kingdom? If not, won't you know that he's already died and come back from death? And he's made a way that you could do that if you'd respond to him in faith today. If you have questions about that, I'd love to talk to you about it. We can talk now in just a moment, or we can talk after the service, but don't get out of here. If you have questions, I'd love to answer them. But I also ask you, if you're here and you are a Christian, is Christmas, and I know we say, but is Christmas to you really just about being off work, being out of school, extra hunting, presents, crazy times, trying to run around and get everything done, or is it about the one that we've waited for all of our lives? the one that we needed even before we knew that we needed him. It's for you, it's Christmas for you about Jesus. I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. And if you just need some time to think and pray, this is a great time to do that. If you have questions, I would love to answer those questions for you. Or we're going to sing again this morning, the first part of King of Kings. And as you hear it and as you listen to these words, or as you sing these words, think about Jesus being the one who fulfills all of these promises, but you do what you need to as Brother Shane and the praise team lead us in the hymn of invitation. Mm-hmm.